0: Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Neeland. welcome to my podcast. Um, I wanted to record a follow-up to yesterday's podcast on self-disgust because after I made it, I started thinking, oh my God, there's so much I want to say about disgust in general. So today we're going to just talk about disgust in general. <sighs> if you listened to yesterday's podcast, you already know that self-disgust is a huge part of many people's body image issues because they feel disgusted by their their weight uh you know a particular body part a feature you know something they perceive as a flaw like cellulite or acne whatever it may be self-disgust shows up in somebody's sort of resentful relationship with their body because it really really is uncomfortable to want to get away from and have a disgust response to your home you know your body you can't get away from it It's really uncomfortable. It makes people hate their bodies because their bodies are causing them, or at least they perceive them, be causing them to feel so, so uncomfortable. So that's a whole big part of it. And disgust, I mentioned, is a really useful emotion that shows up in order to protect us. And most of the time somebody who's experiencing self-disgust as a body image issue, they are able to name, when, when they really dig into it, they're able to name the toxic thing because disgust is essentially just information that something is toxic, something is bad for you, you should get away from it. That's why we were born with a disgust feeling is it protects us from touching things that will get us sick pretty much. Um, so if you have self-disgust, you can kind of name what is the toxic thing here. Maybe it's the person who caused you harm, shamed your body, um, maybe it's diet culture, maybe it was your family culture, whatever it is, fat phobia, uh, sexism, uh, the objectification of women. All those are pretty toxic, right? All of those are things that you should want to get away from. So instead of saying I'm disgusting, you can sort of shift your mindset in that space over towards there is a disgusting thing happening, but it isn't me and it isn't my body. That said, disgust is really interesting when we start looking at other people, because there is a certain amount of innate disgust in response to things that tend to carry pathogens like uh, corpses, uh, ro- you know, a rotting corpse or something would be something we would all innately want to get away from. and. Also excrement, you know, (laughs) vomit. There's all kinds of things that like we just want to get away from pretty innately. And it's because those things carry pathogens that can get us sick. That's all just evolutionarily advantageous. But there's a whole other kind of disgust, which is not innate. It is learned. And that is, we can call it moral disgust, because essentially that is what we learn is bad morally corrupt or bad compared to what we would consider really virtuous and good about a person now the reason this is so important is for somebody who believes that there is an innate disgust reaction that there is an objectively true fact that a body a person's body can be disgusting is going to really really struggle to to get to body neutrality because if you, if you fundamentally believe that fat bodies or jiggly bodies or old bodies are disgusting, you have nowhere to go. You can't feel neutrally about it. If you believe it will cause people, <laughs> that, they're, that it's toxic to people, right? That you're causing harm to people by, by living in this body, that you're, you're hurting others. Somehow you're bad for others because of this disgusting body that you have. There is no way to feel neutrally about it. So what we have to do is really examine the fact that this is a learned response, not an innate response. So moral disgust can be seen in, in your partner, for example, or hopefully not your partner, but in, in the uh, example of someone having cheated on their partner. So if you can imagine, you know, you fell in love with this person, they were so beautiful, you know, you, you had this whole relationship, you, you love them, you look at them, you, you desire them, it's all just, you know, really lovely. And then you find out they've like been having a whole second life. They have a whole second family, a whole second partnership. In that moment, if that person were to try to have, you know, to like start something up, to like kiss you or, you know, kind of move towards intimacy, you would very likely have a disgust reaction. I'm being pretty hyperbolic. This is a really extreme example. We, we see this all across the spectrum. We see this in really subtle ways too. Like, you know, your partner didn't do the dishes and you're like for the third night in a row and you're really annoyed about it. And they, they go to try to start something at night and you're like, are you serious? Like get away from me. So we can see it in subtle examples, but in this really extreme example, I think it's helpful because you can really see it wouldn't just be, oh no, I'm not interested. Thank you. It would be like, get the fuck away from me. You toxic, disgusting person. I can feel my skin crawl when I, when I imagine this. When I put myself in this scenario, I imagine my skin crawling. I imagine me wanting to climb out a window to get away from that person's offer for intimacy because that person has now become disgusting. This is moral disgust because there's nothing innately, we're not gonna catch a pathogen, I mean, hopefully, from, you know, from that situation. It's not innate, it's learned. And what we learned is not only is that morally corrupt that they did something that we believe to be morally corrupt and, uh, and just horrible. It makes them a horrible person. They lied. They, they broke agreements. They did all of these things that we consider just really bad and unacceptable. And also, they caused you pain. They literally are causing you harm as they stand there and, and tell you this. So there is also that aspect of we want to get away from things that cause us harm which is disgust's whole job. So you can feel disgust in a moment like that because that person is the toxin that you are like, no, thank you, get me out of here. And that is where we can really see that, it, that it's a learned thing because let's say you were in a culture where, Uh, Well, this example actually doesn't hold up. I was going to say if you were in a culture where this was normal, that everybody had multiple multiple families, then maybe it wouldn't be disgusting. But actually, (laughs) uh, that would sort of assume that it was all above board, which means it's not harmful. Um, And we can still maybe look at that like if you had a polyamorous relationship, your partner does have a whole other partnership and family and everybody's okay with it because everybody agreed to it. Now there's no toxin, right? Now there's no harm caused. It is not innately disgusting that that's happening. It's just, it's cool. And it's only cool because everybody knew about it in advance. There was none of this like moral corruption of lying and, and, you know, secrecy and cheating and all this stuff. So it's not a great example, but I I hope that you can just see that there, there's no, there's no disgust in the, um, the details of the story that's happening. It's in your perception of the person and how bad they are, how morally bad they are in that moment um now we can also see how this shows up in other aspects of society for example um gay people were seen as disgusting for a really long time when i grew up in a really small um a small and very homogenous town very conservative very white um yeah, just a, a very, very little diversity in my town growing up. Um, I was given the impression, I, I don't think anybody ever said this to me, mind you. This is not like parents say to their children, ew, look, gross, gay people. I mean, that does happen, but that is not what, what usually is what we're talking about. That's, that's not what happened to me. But I still got the feeling that there was something gross about two men together, or two women together. That being gay was inherently yucky. It seemed, and I gather this from obviously like a million tiny context clues, right? Like the tone of voice my parents used when talking about something in the space of queerness or or gayness, and any of these little details in the media, um, the way that gay folks were portrayed as like either a joke or you know the sort of like really um, exaggerated stereotype. So however I got there, there was a point in um early high school, I remember very specifically, that it that I said to a friend that uh it was, I don't know, just that it was disgusting. That I was like, you know, I don't think that I don't think that they shouldn't do it. I just think it's it's gross, you know. Like, I'm not like anti-gay, I just think it's gross. And she was like, Okay, well, I that seems like something to look at. And I was all haughty because I was like, you know, 14 and write about everything. But, but the truth is looking back, like that did need to be explored because what the hell does that even mean? Why would I feel grossed out by a concept of two men together or whatever? Like, where did that come from? And I can't tell you where it came from because I don't know. Like I said, it's this conglomeration of tiny details that we learn these things. But that's the point. I felt grossed out by something that is not innately gross. How did that happen? I was taught that it is morally sticky that it is morally wrong, that it is just you know everybody had this response around me like it's just yucky, and having moved through you know our culture has moved through a massive shift since then as well, but i I personally have moved through a shift I've dealt with my own internalized queer phobia um I am bisexual, so I had to deal with what i held all of this as it was a very complicated um thing to have to deal with but it was pretty easy for me at a certain point to recognize oh there's nothing gross about this you know once I had friends who are gay and I saw them kiss and it was all just like oh you guys are just people and you know it's it's just normal it's fine there's nothing morally corrupt about it there's nothing bad happening here there's no toxin there's nothing dangerous for me once that all happened, and that was like, I moved to New York City, I went to a theater school, you know, all these things, exposure is a really, really big part of how we learn what is disgusting. Um, representation is a big part of it. So I, basically, all of this is to say that I got to a point where I was like, oh, it's not disgusting anymore. And asked, actually, it's like, awesome. <laughs> I am a part of it. And we should all be fighting for civil rights. And, you know, like, it just became very clear from then on that I had been wrong. And I will, be, I, I will be fighting against that now. So that shows you that what is disgusting can be re- relearned. That it was learned. If it's moral disgust, it's learned somewhere. And it can be relearned. Now, I use this example because I think it's really, really clear to see the cultural shift that we've made in the last 30 years. It went from, at least in my experience, and this may not be true of everyone, if you grew up in like a really liberal city with really liberal Family, this maybe never was part of your experience. But I have seen a culture shift in the last 30 years from from having a yucky response to gay people to having a totally accepting, lovely, and warm response to gay people. That shows us that we have culturally relearned, or rather unlearned, to have the disgust reaction when thinking about this particular concept two men being together, two women being together. We are currently in a moment in our culture where the idea of fatness is coded as disgusting and that is a moral disgust that we have all learned this is really important because if you want to get to body neutrality you have to understand that your disgust reaction to fat folks whether that's you or it's other people is first of all learned, not innate, and second of all, uh, not something you have to keep, not something you have to, to to hold on to, because it's it's not true. So, in my work doing anti diet stuff, doing um, yeah, just in my body neutrality work, I made a very similar shift around weight that I once made around gay folks. I went from is sort of vaguely think, I don't think I, I would have said to anybody, oh, fat, fat people are gross. But you know, again, it's like representation. What do we see in media? What do we see in movies? What does, what does your fat friend make self-deprecating jokes about? It's like, uh, they eat so much. There's like bodily function humor, um, that they're, you know, out of shape. It's just all these things that little bits of information throughout a lifetime has taught us to have a disgust reaction, if not to a fat person's body specifically, then to the thought of that fat person being like in an intimate space, being viewed as sexy or sexual, you know having having sex and uh, orgasm with another person like those are things where you picture a thin, conventionally attractive person doing that and you're turned on, you picture a fat person doing that and you're turned off. What's going on? That is the disgust reaction that you have learned. And part of the reason you learned it is because we see fatness as morally corrupt. Kind of like we used to see gay people. It's like, oh, that's just something just wrong with you. It's just bad inside of you. (laughs) It's Sort of like an unnameable badness. And of course, we have all these biases we can study that say people unconsciously believe that fat people are lazier and less intelligent and whatever. So we can study the exact thing that we associate with body size, but for the the sake of coding disgust, you don't even need to be that specific. You can just say you kind of learned somewhere that it's morally bad and it's morally corrupt. It means something bad about them as a person. You can also say that it's dangerous. It's not quite as specific. Like, Um, what the danger to you would be if they were fat. But I do feel like there's that sort of sense that people have of like, oh, it's dangerous if we let people be fat. That's, you know, toxic that that we can't let that happen. We have to fight against it. So all of this, this is just fat phobia. This is the anti-fat bias. I've talked about this a lot in my work and um, I'm sharing it here so that you can really see that I also grew up in that culture. And until I went through my own re-education work in this space, I would have also felt disgusted by the thought of like two very fat people having sex. I would have thought, ew, I would have had that crawly feeling in my skin and my belly. I would have had a disgust reaction. That's that's what it feels like. Why, I wouldn't have been able to tell you at the time. I would have just said, yeah, it's just gross. I don't know. It's just yucky. I just don't like it. Now I can tell you from the other side where I can have an arousal response from that. Meaning, I mean, it depends on the person in the situation, of course, but just like I could get turned on thinking about two thin conventionally attractive people having sex, I can also get turned on by thinking about people in larger bodies having sex who are less conventionally attractive. This is something that I have taught myself to not have a disgust reaction in the same way that I I learned, or I should say I learned, um, not to have a disgust reaction to queerness. So this is unlearnable. It's really, really unlearnable. And you have to unlearn it. You absolutely must unlearn it or you won't get to body neutrality. You can't feel disgusted by another person's body and not turn that on yourself at some point. You might, you, you might say that all of your body image issues really just come down to you want to feel a certain way, you want to be a certain size, you want to whatever. But you wouldn't necessarily have all of that if there were no other people, right? Like, it is still a connected, communal experience, body image issues. They are inside you. They are yours. They are personal. But a lot of them, anyway, are about the, the the back and forth exchange of energy between humans. So you might feel disgusted by yourself and nobody else. In which case, self-disgust, that's something you can work through. But a lot of people feel disgusted by others and themselves. And they might see someone in a particular body, and have that disgust reaction, and then start to get really paranoid and anxious that other people are having that reaction to them. Which kind of makes sense. Like, we get really anxious and paranoid about the stuff we secretly do. If you secretly cheated on your partner, you would become really paranoid that they were secretly cheating on you. Why? Because you crossed this boundary. It sort of shows you anything can happen. You know, people are lying. It puts you in a really anxious state because because you did it. And so my clients who are the most anxious about other people judging their bodies are often the ones who judge other people's bodies the most. And this is a big part of how they judge it. There may be intellectual thoughts like, oh, that person should eat healthier. But a lot of it is just a story to sort of go along with the disgust reaction. Like they have the yucky feeling. They're like, oh, and then they're like, oh, I should come, you know, (laughs) not consciously, obviously, but. Some part of their brain says I should come up with a story to explain to myself why I had that reaction. And you say, it's just really unhealthy. I don't like that. They should work out. So whatever it is, it's nonsense. Your brain just kind of makes up nonsense in order to explain the disgust. But the disgust is a reaction to the feeling that they are morally corrupt and bad. And you want to get away from it. And maybe they shouldn't exist. You know, the idea of like, oh, I wish that didn't exist. Kind of like if you came across um uh, i don't know like rotten food you would be like get it away from me <laughs> i don't want that anywhere in my house ever um yeah we have that desire to sort of erase and uh and and get rid of and so that is the disgust reaction often it's way below the level of conscious thinking but it's there so if you see a thin person eating you know a big burger and fries often the reaction is like sort of <laughs> praise or maybe humor it's like kind of cute or funny or um maybe it's jealousy oh i wish i could do that or maybe it's you know but generally it's in the the realm of fairly positive emotions but if you see a very large person eating that same exact burger and fries you're a lot more likely to associate and ascribe these really negative character traits like oh they don't have any self-control they don't um care about their health They, maybe they don't know any better about nutrition. So you're making up stories all the time about everything and (laughs) they're not true, (laughs) but that is what's going on. And that's how you get to moral disgust. Just like when you look at that thin person eating a burger and you think it's cute, that's how you got to there. It's because, oh, they must be really good and healthy and just like fundamentally good virtuous. And then they're eating this thing, which is like a little bit of a paradox and it's an adorable paradox. So these are the stories that lead us to the emotions we have and the reactions we have when we look at stuff like this, other people and their behaviors and their bodies. So I want you to know that you can unlearn disgust, moral disgust. Probably about anything. I mean, we could talk about this in any realm, but really specifically for my work, you can unlearn um, the moral disgust you have associated with other people's bodies. And whatever your particular disgust reaction is, maybe it's everything. Maybe you're like, I I just find every single kind of body disgusting except this one kind that I think is hot and I really want to look like. That would be a lot of work, right? There would be a lot of layers to that uh, unlearning of disgust. But for most people, there's just a pattern. There's certain things. It's like it's weight related because of fat phobia and the anti-fat bias. Um, Maybe it's sort of related to gender binary and gender expression. And it's like, oh, I, I have a disgust reaction when people don't, um, sort of conform to my idea of the gender binary. You can totally unlearn that. Um, but whatever it is, whatever response you find yourself really judgy of other people's bodies, and you're noticing that there is a disgust reaction associated with that negative judgment, you can unlearn that. How you unlearn it is a really big topic, really complicated. I would say a lot of the work I do with clients is the unlearning of that. But it involves reeducation most of the time. It involves exposure and representation, meaning you have to um, really allow yourself to connect with the humanity of the people you've been holding judgmental stories about. When you do that, it's really hard to hold on to those judgmental stories. This is why people who travel tend to have like a way less judgmental and xenophobic perspective on the world because you just go to another country. And maybe you were born with the idea or not born with the idea, but like maybe in your hometown, you know, everybody's like, oh, those people are crazy with their culture. It doesn't make any sense. And then you get there and you're like, oh, they're just people. It's just people. They're good people. They're fine people. It just sort of erases this whole story that they're like morally corrupt people because they do something you don't understand. And, and the same thing is true here. If you, like me in New York City, were exposed to a bunch of fabulous humans of all sexual expressions then it just becomes really difficult to hold on to that story and that disgust. Not impossible. (laughs) Everybody's different, but really difficult. So exposure, re-education, you know, for me, I had to learn quite a bit about the experience um, and the history of homophobia, honestly. I think for me to really, really fully unpack that for myself. But that was paired with exposure. It was paired with the shift in representation that we saw culturally. So the same thing I believe needs to happen with weight for us culturally, because we have all learned something that's wrong about fat people. We are wrong that it is disgusting. It's wrong. It's it's not true. But a lot of people have that reaction, and it's all rolled up in their body image issues because they don't want to disgust others, or they are afraid of disgusting others. And because they feel disgusted by others themselves, they end up living in a super anxious, paranoid headspace where everybody's judging each other and just being super mean and having really negative reactions that they want to avoid. And it just feels really, really scary. The world starts to feel really scary. And you're like, I need to look the right way. So that's not happening in other people's heads when they meet me. I need to make sure I control everything and make it perfect because otherwise they're going to feel that thing I feel when I see somebody's body. And that sucks. That's a super shitty feeling. So, yeah, the unlearning is a really big part of moving towards body neutrality. The the, the letting go, I guess, really, of the, the idea that there's any moral corruption attached to any of this shit, because there's not. I mean, this is body liberation work. We all learned that there was moral corruption attached to people who expressed their gender differently than the binary. We have now, in the last couple of years, I'd say, culturally figured out that that's not true. That actually that's not true. There's nothing morally corrupt about it. And now we have representation of that. Now we have proof. Now we have tons of people coming out and sharing their stories and expressing their gender all different kinds of ways. And it's awesome. And it just, it just kind of like takes away that whole idea that there was something morally corrupt about it in the first place. Sometimes looking back, you can kind of be like, I don't remember why I thought that was so bad, but I definitely did think it was bad at the time. So, this happens with all kinds of stuff. And this is everything you believe a, bo- a person's body can point to moral corruption is wrong. It's just wrong, which means every single way in which you can be disgusted by a person's body is wrong and can be rewired. Um, I would say another area that this could. Show up would be uh, like in ableism, meaning a lot of people will have a disgust reaction to a variety of disabilities. And again, this is a a learned for the most part. This is a learned moral disgust that can be unlearned. Um, I say for the most part only because there there could be examples of things that sort of cross over into the the pathogen disgust of like you know excrement or whatever. So all of that. Will hopefully help you understand if you feel disgust towards other people if you feel disgust um, or you're worried that they all feel disgust towards you that this is the work now this is the work for you and this is the work for us as a culture i genuinely believe that in 30 years we will look back and go god we were so obsessed with not being fat that was so weird like we do now we're like god we really thought gay people shouldn't get married that's so weird It will, I believe, move this direction because this is a progressive issue. It's a civil rights issue. And we will progress. That's what we do as a culture. We unpack and dismantle the idea that there's only one right way to be, one morally virtuous way to be, one way to be good. And now we have lots and lots of things that we've unpacked and decided actually, those aren't bad. You know, racism can fall into this category too. There was a time where black people were seen as morally corrupt and i would argue that there is still that bias floating around today much more um undercover perhaps than it once was but that that is that is that disgust thing right it's like oh that's they're just bad just not as good and that is moral disgust that is something you can unlearn and we did in huge leaps and bounds unlearn that idea we're like oh Okay, cool. So that was wrong. And we've made huge legal changes over the last 400 years to what everything sort of looks like in that space. Just like with gay folks, right? We made legal changes to represent um, and reflect what we changed culturally about how we feel towards gay people and gayness. Basically, we've just been unpacking all these stories, all these fucking pointless stories about how a person can be morally corrupt and how you can know they're morally corrupt by looking at them. And I believe fatness is sort of this final frontier. It is the last thing that people are explicitly and consciously opposed to, that they will explicitly and consciously say, yeah, that's not as good, it's bad. It represents some moral failing. People don't do this explicitly around race. I mean, some people do obviously, but in, in, most of the mainstream world that's not happening people don't do this around gender anymore people aren't like yeah women just aren't as good as men they're just they're just like corrupt and uh, sneaky and they're just kind of bad and and we should be really careful of them no it's like women are just women now it doesn't whatever we overcame a lot of that stuff and even though there may be um sort of undercover biases still happening and, and systems of oppression still in place nobody's explicitly saying yes they disgust me and that's not true with weight. So, fat phobia and the anti-fat bias, I believe, to be the final frontier here. Undoing your own disgust will not obviously keep other people from feeling it, but the more of us that do this, the the better. You know, we just move as a group towards a better world. Um, it moves us. It progresses us culturally towards uh, towards a world in which like body size just doesn't matter. Um, and it also opens up a lot of really fun possibilities for us, you know? What if you had never been attracted to a fat person because you had this moral disgust thing built in? And when you unpack it, you discover that there's like a really hot fat person who's like your friend or your coworker, And you're like, oh shit, I didn't even think to notice you before. And you are fine. It opens up a lot of freedom. It gives a lot of opportunities. And, uh, and it keeps you from hating yourself keeps you from being a jerk to others, keeps you from causing harm, and keeps you from being miserable and paranoid. So doing this work is so, so important if you're wanting to move towards body neutrality or, you know, being a good person in the world. (sighs) So I think that's all I had to say about that. I am wondering about the end of these podcasts. How do you end a podcast? I don't exactly have an answer for that. I feel the urge to like give you a valuable lesson and end on like an awesome sentence, but I don't think it's gonna be like that. I think I'm just gonna talk until I feel like I'm done. Um, I do hope that this was useful and I am so glad that you are here listening and I'll talk to you next time.